I've lived a thousand lives. I've piloted a thousand souls. I've killed and fought and died just for another role. This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. And welcome to Season 33, Episode 5 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Minerva. I'm Rose. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. And in today's episode, we are going to chat about game mechanics that we want to see more of in 2024. Stefan from Essen in Germany asks about... He asks about, about power creep and stories. Yes, power creep and stories and plotting a campaign and like how to pace all of that out. And Steffi from Scotland, not to be confused with Stefan from Essen, we've got Steffi from Scotland, talks about <laughs> the advantages of quiet players and shares some stories that she's had at her table with that. If you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. All right, you've all had your holiday break. So yes, your homework is to please send in emails or topics. I will be adding a form back to the website, happyjacks.org, if that's easier for you. If you don't want to actually type happyjacksrpg at gmail.com, if that's too difficult. So yeah, send in some stuff because uh, we're a bit thin on a, on a backlog of emails right now, friends. Announcements. Our next game days is going to be January 13th. And oh my gosh, is it already hopping? There's a bunch of games. A bunch of them are already full. Very, very exciting. So go check it out on our Discord, happyjacks.org slash Discord. Totally free. Anybody can sign up to play and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about the amazing assortment of games and how many people are already like flocking to sign up for things. So it's very cool. And for our Indie Designer of the Month, it is still the amazing Kurt Potts. You can find his work at Kurt Potts. That's K-U-R-T-P-O-T-T-S dot itch dot I-O or at Kurt Potts on Twitter. This week we were talking about, kind of talked about it another when, when Kurt was on the show a few weeks ago, hashtag bird secrets. So <laughs> bird secrets is a mix of clue style deduction and PBTA style storytelling. You take on the role of birds with many secrets. And with the help of, or in opposition to other players, you'll attempt to solve a murder. Is that like another bird pun with ravens and murder yeah okay anyway (laughs) the game ends when someone has uncovered who done it or when two hours is up so playtime i like that it has like a set playtime like two hours and it works for three to six players for and it's 14 pages long including the cover and character sheets you can get it for 2.99 at kurtpots.itch.io and this was the the game that was inspired by random hashtag that he just randomly found. If you haven't listened to that, I think it's two episodes ago, something like that. He was on and he was talking about how he just was like working at his job and social media and he saw, or and for print stuff and he just saw like bird secrets really big on like the cover of something and he just thought it was hilarious and it inspired his creativity and this awesome game. All right, so topic tonight. What is a unique game element or mechanic that you'd like to see more of in 2024. This is our last official episode 
2023. 2024 is starting in like two and a half days. Very exciting. I guess, depending on what time you're listening to this episode, it's probably a different time. But we're recording this on the 29th, December 29th, Pacific time. So yeah, some interesting design elements or mechanics. If I can go first. Okay. Oh. I, after playing Mobile Frame Zero Firebrands, I need more romance mechanics in the <laughs> games. Like, it just needs to be a thing. Like, I need more games specifically built about intercharacter romance. It's just way too much fun. <laughs> Talk uh, what specifically is the mechanic for Firebrands? Like, I know, but I'm asking. Um, for so, Firebrands specifically has a really interesting mechanic that I think could could be ported into other games fairly well, which is they have. Mobile Frame Zero Firebrands is split up into different mini games you play, and each mini game is its own scene. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene, there's three social ones that immediately come to mind. There's a discussion over dinner, which is just kind of like chatting, revealing things about your characters. You're all on different sides of a three way war, and you're kind of like jabbing at each other, or like it's some sort of there's some reason that you're not all shooting each other. So it's either like a diplomatic mission or you're meeting on the streets during a festival and you don't recognize each other or, or things like that. And then my favorite two are the dance and stealing time together and stealing time together is this really incredible, like, because you're on different sides of a war, you shouldn't be falling in love with each other. But that's what's happening. And it's full of just fantastic tropes of like, you're, you choose different things from a list of like, I touch your hand, may I? Yeah. Or I kiss you, may I? And it's like, or I stumble over something and say something I shouldn't have. What do I say? Mm-hmm. And like, all these different things. And the responses are like, you may, you may not. You may, but first you have to. Or you may not, but you may do this instead. And like this, it's a really cool way to build a really intimate scene between two player characters mm-hmm. while maintaining consent and also mm-hmm. giving an excellent, like, none of those things on the list are explicit, which keeps the game from turning into just launchy stuff happening at the table that no one else wants to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And it's really, really cool. It's honestly like one of the things like Mobile Frame Zero uh, Firebrands and I would say is like one of the big like, oh, this changes how I think about games mm-hmm. moments that I had earlier this year. I think it's a really it's just, great mechanic for consent specifically because of that, what you're talking about, it's like the may I and then there's like a choice of responses. And so it's it's just really well done because it it gives people who aren't comfortable or it's maybe or have just started role playing romance stuff. It's very clearly laid out, it, but in a way that doesn't feel like restricting. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really just a great design for consent reasons and making sure everyone's like buying into the faction. Because at any point, if you're not feeling comfortable, you can choose an option that pauses or slows it down or reverses it. So it's got like or ends the scene. Yeah, exactly. It's got like the safety tools like built in to actually playing it, which is a really 
really awesome design thing. Yeah, the fact that there isn't much romance mechanics out there anyway, it's just already hard to broach that topic um, with another player. It's like, hey, I think there might be something between the two. Do you want to explore that further? And then there's no guidelines yeah. to help maintain that level, that power between the two. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. to be able to have, just to have that just already feels actually kind of cute. <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> want to have a meet cute already with a new character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's even better because like Mobile Frame Zero Firebrands, I forgot to state the, the premise. You're in a three-way war and you're all mech pilots. Yeah. Okay. Which is okay. just, it's like, look, this is my Roman Empire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, but mech pilot romance is my Roman Empire. <laughs> it's so good. And it's great because you have these moments where these characters, you know, these Romeo and Juliet, star-crossed lover types meet. Mm-hmm. And then the other games that can play out, the other mini games that can play out, are some just absolutely brutal battles. And like people die mm-hmm. and it just makes for such a good, like romantic tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's such a fun game. I've only really watched any Gundam series for the romance <laughs> specifically. So <laughs> there. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the only correct reason. Giant robots. Eh, romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> for me. It's like there are there is a plethora, but I think it's kind of died out already a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, not died out, but ebbed away. Mm-hmm. It, since the panini is, we solo journaling RPGs just mm-hmm. in general sound like like something that I would like to get back into. Just because if I have 15, 20 minutes to myself, I don't mm-hmm. want to spend it scrolling on social media or something and, and just having a little solo journaling thing was something to keep my brain going get the creative juices flowing mm-hmm. maybe be a precursor to a game just to get into that mindset and it's just, just something that i've been kind of wanting to have for a while but played through all those solo journals that i've had in a while and i'm kind of sick of it and i want more mm-hmm. something i'd like to see anything yeah it was a really big i think it was a humble bundle I want to say either earlier this year or like late last year that I picked up and I have something like 40 solo RPGs. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh-huh. kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I am only mildly interested in doing solo RPGs, but now I have four of them. Mm-hmm. Four, sorry, 40 of 40. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, as what, a quieter yeah, person. Between, yeah, this is, this is more my jam. But as someone who has like a lot of time crunches is trying to squeeze in as much as possible, like this helps that way into different areas in my of my day so i was like oh okay mm-hmm. i like this yeah what's your favorite mechanic for those do you like like card draw ones like actually the the dice rolling ones mainly because it gives me the opportunity to roll my dice for actually rolling my dice for an <laughs> opportunity for, for an outcome instead of just rolling for the heck of it or just stacking it randomly mm-hmm. so it feels productive <laughs> in, a, in a way i'm using my dice mm-hmm. so i can get more dice Getting <laughs> that, that's how you can justify it is i had to roll these dice for a reason therefore i can buy more dice mm-hmm. yep yep <laughs> yep have you looked into iron sworn starforged no Star- i think that's right uh it is phenomenal it can be played as a traditional rpg it can be played co-op mm-hmm. with no gm mm-hmm. and it can be played as a solo rpg and it has some of the 
coolest tables I have ever seen. Like you're out exploring like strange planets and star systems and you roll for like what's going on there and like what's dangerous and what kind of fauna and flora you find Mm -hmm. and like what kind of biome it is. And I bought the hardback because I was like, the PDF is cool, but I want to flip through this and find specific tables Mm -hmm. and be able to like look at them in a physical book. Because it's, yeah, it's just so cool. It's romancing. <laughs> I haven't read the rules enough. I just okay. looked at the tables. Okay. Pretty tables. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll look into I, that. Honestly, romance can be in any game. Yeah. Uh, you can quote me you on try that. Enough. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't love Loom on a battlefield. 40K <laughs> romance. I think for me, like... The one mechanic that I really loved and I've been like noticing it in other games since we did it is in the one ring, the like different phases where it was like the journey phase, the like and and, like how it specifies like different times for different things. And like the wild sea also does this where there's like the montage section and stuff like that, where it's like it kind of prescribes like, okay, this is like downtime where you get to do stuff where you get to have interactions with each other rather than just kind of leaving it up to, like, in a lot of role-playing games, like a lot of PBTA and D&D and stuff like that, it's like, okay, whatever we feel like doing next. Like, okay, we're in a town. But it's like, okay, we're going to go to sleep and not role-play anything, and then we're going to go back out and fight the next day. All these things, like, different people play so many different ways, which is neat, but I also like when a game is, like, so assured of itself that it's like, no, I want to have time where you spend time doing this thing. I want to spend time where you're on the road. I want to spend time where you're doing, you're building up a skill or you're taking care of a task. And like Blades in the, or Forged in the Dark games do this too, where they've got different points of like when you're doing whatever heist it is you're doing and you're figuring different things out. So I really like how that centers like the players on a specific game. So it's like the heart of the game and get it, gets it to that vibe. So that's something I'd love to see more games doing. Like, really just like, this is the experience I want you to have with this game. So, I don't know. That's great. I really <laughs> appreciated the rise of games that are capital A about something. Yeah. Like, the Lord of the Rings game is about going on a journey with a fellowship. Yeah. And if you want to play, if the scope of your game doesn't fall within that, there are other games for you to play, but that's what this one's about. Mm-hmm. And, and I absolutely adore that. I love games that are not trying to be everything to everyone at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's how you get a game that feels unique and special. And I feel like that's why some of the, like the Genesis system, like there are elements of it I really loved, but I, I don't, there are so few people who bought like the generic Genesis book people bought games that use the Genesis system and all those things, but it's like people want a game for a specific experience. And some yeah. games like D and D has that experience. Like everybody knows what that experience is, but other people who are coming up with other systems, it's like, like you can buy a Savage World book, but even like the Savage World's book books are are flavored. There's like the superpower mm-hmm. what? And then there's like, so I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. I, I'm finding more and more how a, a game specializes itself, it becomes more appealing to me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I definitely have a lot of, like, game idea, like, 
campaign ideas where I'm like, oh, I wish I had the right game for this because I'm kind of tired of taking that concept and just trying to port it to Savage Worlds or stuff like that. Like I, I think honestly kind of spoiled because in 2023 and going into 2024, I found so many fantastic games that through the design and the rules of the system, Mm -hmm. it helps enforce the tone and the kind of vibe that you're going for. I think it's fair to say that masks has ruined everything that isn't masks for me (laughs) a little bit because it's just, I had never found a game that captured its core concept in the rules so well Mm -hmm. and created like a play culture through its rule system Mm -hmm. so well. And honestly, I've had a hard time finding that since I think dream askew dream apart would be pretty high up there as well. Mm -hmm. As far as like creating through its design, a very specific kind of play culture and very specific tone and vibe, Mm -hmm. but it's made like, oh, I want to run, I don't know, my clone commando game yeah. or my my all clone trooper game. And I'm like going through like six different systems, trying to find the right one and eventually just kind of settling on one that I'm going to hack into pieces and then put back together. So mm-hmm. now um, do you think, do you think yeah. masks would benefit from not necessarily phases, but some sort of prescribed scene? Cause I know a lot of people who play that game lean in on the teenager thing, but it's like, Do you need, I feel like sometimes as the GM, when I'm steering a masks game, like it's like I'm planning things out and I'm forcing things sometimes like, okay, we're going to have a high Mm. school scene. Okay. This is you as your like alter egos. You're all being as normal as you can in PE class. And like, I don't know, it wouldn't hurt it. I don't think sometimes to be like, I feel like having a part of the book kind of explain how to frame a scene well and kind of like and give you some stock scenes of high school life to mm-hmm. kind of pull out when you need them mm-hmm. would be useful. Because I also found myself doing that where I'd be like, okay, you all are at the lunch table. Yeah. What's the conversation like? Yeah. The and mall. kind of like, yeah, having to like throw them all into a scene together. That... It's all about mental load, really. Just taking some of that mental mm-hmm. load from the GM to help them like just to guide them and the players mm-hmm. to make it better. Cause after a long yeah. day of work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> start talking, straggling more people in like shoving a square hole into, into a circular peg, yep. having that lovely square, uh, that circular peg already yeah. preset. It's yeah. nice. It was really nice when I was r- r- running funny. one ring. Cause it was like, okay, I know we're starting with the journey tonight. So I know like, there's a part here where I'm not going to have to plan everything. I'm going to have to kind of come up with stuff on the fly, but I'm going to have some sort of framework for it. And then we'll get to like back into the story or the parts that I have like planned out. So that's always interesting. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it masks. I was like, I don't wonder if like, like you have to have like one mundane scene every session or I don't know. It could be interesting. I'm not wild about that. I Mm -hmm. feel like masks has found such a good balance and that, the way it's built, it is made to fit a couple different kinds of storytelling methods. Mm-hmm. You could have it, like, per the way the book is written, you're supposed to describe things as panels and pages and issues and volumes mm-hmm. and very comic mm-hmm. booky. Yeah. But of the people playing the game, some of, like, I'd say maybe, 
a handful of us had like bought like individual floppy issues. Mm-hmm. Like none that wasn't really a touchstone for us as much. Oh, interesting. Like, and I was very much recommending comics and stuff. There, like everybody had some level of familiarity with comics, but it wasn't like their thing. Mm-hmm. And so what worked much better was flavoring it more like a TV show a little bit. Oh, okay. And like we had our beach episode. We had and kind of like the narrative beats from like a, te- a television series would be like, okay, we're going to have a bottle episode or we're going to have like this mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z thing. And I feel like getting more prescriptive with how scenes and stories are framed in masks wouldn't help it. Because in my opinion, because you didn't use stories. <laughs> yes. Because you, sw- yes. you, <laughs> you swerved away from the touchstone of comics into like CW-ish, which is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But so that, I mean, that makes sense. But I feel like also like, and I'm not saying like Magpie shouldn't like rewrite masks in any way. Like I'm not saying, but it's just kind of interesting. Like if they were really had their heart set on like the comic book experience, if having some mechanic like that would help facilitate the comic booky vibe rather than having people, which I also do. Like generally when I, do masks, I also swerve more into, you know, Young Justice and like those like mm-hmm. cartoons rather than the comic books. So I don't know. That's mm. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's really important to remember that like changing the medium of something changes its substance. Yeah. So yes. like the, the 2004, I think it was Hulk movie mm-hmm. had a mm-hmm. lot of like Frame things like comic book panels and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, cool, you're framing it like a comic book. It doesn't make it a better movie, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I ditched describing things as com- as like comic pages and stuff because I didn't find that it made for a better game experience. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, like having people like at the table who really resonate with that. Like, I mean, it'd be really interesting mm-hmm. to like, if you had a group of players who were really into comics, be like, okay, we're doing like 90s, like new mutants. So it's like the, mm-hmm. which I, I adored that. Like, but. Um, oh yeah. No, the new mutants yeah. are, but uh, well, not 90s new mutants because 90 news new mutants turns into X-Force and that's right. not great. No, but <laughs> like when they were first introduced, like it was super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't know. So it, it would be really interesting to see to get a very, like, in the, it, like, a specific mode of comics, too. Like, not even just comics in general. Like, yeah. a specific era. Oh, yeah. Man, like, right before, like, Image Comics bumped out of, like, Marvel and DC. Like, that'd be super interesting to see how that would go. And then how that would flavor masks with that very 90s. Everybody has pouches now and, like... Mm-hmm. The <laughs> Rob Liefeld effect. Exactly. The Liefeld, like, era there. Yeah. That would be very interesting to see. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like Masks tonally doesn't vibe with, like, 90s comics very well because 90s comics was all about the edge. And, like, you can do that in Masks, but it's not really designed around it. Maybe. Um, I mean, there were also moments like, especially with the the younger comics. And I mean, if you look at at Teen Titans, like Teen Titans had a mm-hmm. lot of those moments in there. And you've got like Starfire and Dick Grayson having their relationship. And like, you know, eventually, like mm-hmm. when he bumps from Robin to Nightwing, which is always a good decision. <laughs> like, 
All of the yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, there's a. I feel like there's a lot of touchstones there with like the classic Teen Titans from like the '90s too, that could be done. Mm. I mean, I think I'm thinking. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit more of a blind spot for me. I'm okay. just thinking about like what '90s Marvel looked like, and oh, yeah. '90s Marvel was like guns, pouches. What was it? It was like Dark Claw, Blood Man, all that kind of stuff. It was a bad time. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it, it was very edgy. But when it came to like the the comics, like. Like, that's really when comics kind of split into very adults and, like, yeah. there still were kind of, like, these teenage groups a little bit more. And I don't know. It'd just be, it'd be really an interesting, like, gaming experiment to see how you could flavor masks to be kind of, like, different specific periods in comics. I don't know. Just interesting. I don't know if that has anything to do with our conversation. Yeah. I think we've, like, swerved way <laughs> I topic, think we but... swerved a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I wanted to flavor it a little bit, but... With uh, with masks, I always had a My Hero Academia vibe from it. And I don't know if yeah. it's life imitating art or the other way around, but I've always completed the two mm-hmm. because they were so similar or they were released or I just experienced them or watched the series and then read the, the book, the core book at the same mm-hmm. time, which is quite possible. Yeah. But I've always felt like Deku was my character and <laughs> somehow I rolled Deku and... Mm-hmm. He's experiencing all like that's how the game played out for him. Mm-hmm. What what playbook was it? <laughs> it oh, oh, he would be the like he would be kind of the legacy. He would be a merge of a legacy or yeah, legacy protege. Yeah, protege. Yeah, protege mm-hmm. turned into a legacy because of spoilers. Okay. But yeah, 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 yeah. But mm, <laughs> that, yeah, that's where I was me, getting masks, all my context from. Absolutely. For me, masks was something I started running while listening to Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. So it was from like giant size number one. And then especially like the, the like start of the new mutants era and especially the demon bear saga Mm -hmm. were like really big influences for me at the time. So that was all really fun. I definitely stole a lot of like demon bear stuff for Adam's character who was playing the doomed and just like, yeah, spooky foreshadowing is the best. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's hard to tell which one came first. So My Hero Academia came out in 2016. And then it looks like Masks did too. Maybe not. Let me, I'm, I'm doing Was the that Googling. The, the, an- the, the anime, anime coming the out or the, the manga? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wasn't the manga. That was oh, the, that was the. Yeah, because I want to say the manga had been out for a, for a bit. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, and Googling's not making The cool thing. Masks, I think, just kind of takes superhero stories really well because you can kind of graft on whatever your touchstone is. Teenage. It fits in there pretty well. Yeah, I think teenage yes, Teenage stories. touchstone. Yes, yeah. it, it wouldn't work for, like, the Avengers. But no. Young Avengers, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Young Avengers, Young Justice, yeah. Teen Titans, Teenage Spider-Man, The New Mutants, Generation X, all of that, all kind of can fit in there mm-hmm. really yeah. well. So, yeah. yeah, I really dig it. Anyways, <laughs> go buy masks if you haven't bought masks yet. It's really good. You won't regret it. <laughs> uh, It'll be very fun. Unless you want to play something that is a super gritty comic bookie, because that's not what that is. <laughs> then get wild talents. Yeah, then get wild talents. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Explode everything. Explode all the things. All right. <laughs> Mailbag number one. Absolutely. Howdy, hopefully, happy Jills and Jacks. 
Potentially, this is just an issue about systems I am playing with, namely Vampire and L5R mostly, but hopefully this is an issue others can learn from slash relate to as well. I find it hard to plot a campaign. I'm a fan of complex stories that are mainly driven by player decisions, so I can't really say that I will need X sessions for Y to happen. Indeed, my current campaign, what I thought would be a matter of three sessions, has bled into nine evenings full of plotting getting to know everyone, and traveling around as uh, well as not really deciding on the dilemmas presented. Run. What I'm getting at. Power creep it can ruin every story. I have played in some where this was the case. Either the big bad is more like a flimsy puppy by the time the heroes arrive, or the big bad needs to be some kind of universe-consuming monster to even pose a challenge. That's why I assume plotting growth is necessary. One obvious answer to all of this is toward XP for story steps. Let's leave aside, though, that this can be more fuzzy than easy in an initially open-ended story that is driven by player choice, and steps are omitted or new ones built in. I've played in campaigns where I was denied for four to five evenings that sweet, sweet XP reward, and it didn't feel great. So, do you plot character progression and power and ability as a GM slash storyteller slash chronicler from the beginning? Do you find that wise? Do you go into specific details or do you stay in very broad strokes? Am I fretting about nothing? Best regards, Stefan from Essen, Germany. Yes, you're allowed to have one snack. What is it? I have some Sour Patch Kids right over there. Yeah. Let's go one snack. <laughs> That's if you want to count this a, ca- a snack. It's a chocolate lava cake stout. Ooh. Delicious. I thought you were just going to say yourself, Minerva. <laughs> like, if it counts as a snack. <laughs> I, was I, like, a, I, I was a like, snack. all right, more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> one snack i feel like thanks Ruth. <laughs> yeah she's, she's gone now this snack has been consumed um <laughs> probably kit kats i love kit kats so much kit kats are great yeah a nice cold kit kat so it's extra crunchy crunchy yeah oh yes very love that nothing sadder than a warm kit kat I mean, I, I still would eat. I mean, if you're <laughs> desperate enough, it does the job. <laughs> I'm, I'm always desperate. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, Fair I'll enough. eat a warm Kit Kat. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Any, any type of Kit Kat, uh, I will accept it. <laughs> okay. So bringing it around to the question. Yeah. Do you plot character progression and power and ability as a GM slash storyteller slash chronicler from the beginning? Do you find that wise? Do you go into specific details or do you stay in very broad strokes? Am I fretting about nothing? I mean, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this is a very <laughs> system-specific question because mm-hmm. there are there are systems where, like that power creep, works differently than in other systems. So, specifically in things like Vampire and L five R, which it does matter how many dice the people are throwing to make the their opponents a challenge. I tend to paint in very broad strokes across a story. And then that those broad strokes are able to be adjusted depending on where the players are at. Because honestly, trying to plan anything else is futile. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially like if you don't know how powerful players are going to be, like when they get to a thing, just kind of like plan to build it immediately beforehand. Yeah. Kind of thing. I don't know. I, the whole thing of going four to five uh, sessions without getting XP, I'm like, I couldn't tell you the last time I cared about XP. <laughs> like, like I mostly play PBTA games, so like you get XP whenever you mess up. 
So if I wasn't getting that, I'd be like a little bit disappointed. But like, I, I also like the other game that I was thinking about, like, oh, where XP mattered was playing like Heart, the city beneath. Mm-hmm. And like, those characters are going to end up dead. It doesn't matter how many advances I get. <laughs> like, like they'll end up dead if they're lucky. Yeah. But, um, but they, it does matter in a lot of systems. So I think it's an important yeah, so thing I'm, to focus on. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to like my D&D campaign days and kind of, I think if you're going to go, like if you're going to take something like Vampire the Masquerade and use kind of like a, oh, what's the the non-XP leveling system in D&D 5e? What's that called? Not like benchmark. What is it? Is oh, it... crap. We talked about it. I know, right? Yeah. I'll think of it as soon as yeah. you keep talking. Something stone. I can't think. Milestone. Milestone. Thank there you. you go. Thank <laughs> you, Bumble. There we go. I am a. Thank you so much, James and Steffi. Oh my uh, In the chat. Well, and just also um, just like being exhausted from the holidays. I'm just so mm-hmm. tired. My mm-hmm. brain is like shutting down. Um, hey, look, between three hosts and two audience members, we got it. Got it. So. No, no, no. Yeah. That no. One brain cell is just bouncing around. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I honestly feel like that's the only way to run DD. Like the individual XP points. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't, you can't. If you're using actual individual XPs and stuff, you can't really measure it out without feeling, without the players I often feeling, <laughs> well, and, and like stingy. This is like, okay, I, mm. I, I want them to get this many XP before they meet this boss. But again, like you say in your email, you don't know how many sessions that's going to end up being. So suddenly you go all these sessions with no improvement. And in a game like D&D, that's very like, carrot xp driven like here you go come this way get the, get the xp or the magic items because that's what all DMs sound like right like <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> candy Ooh, yeah candy yeah, exactly like you can't really dole it out like that unless you're following like a very clear like adventure path without it just feeling like contrived i guess is a better like stingy because sometimes it's like oh i've got to i've got to level them up before they get here they haven't done as much as i thought they would okay you stepped on a lizard on the highway. Oh, here's a bunch of XP for that. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> There's also a whole thing of like, you're, now it's been a hot minute since I've read the fifth edition DMG, but like giving out XP for like role playing and giving out XP for like getting through non-combat encounters or like avoiding combat or mm-hmm. stuff like that. And at that point, I yeah, the granularity of XP just kind of gets in the way in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And for again... Things, if you're going to do milestones in a game like Vampire, I think he, because Vampire is such like a political game and things like that, where you're not clearing out a dungeon or completing a quest, you're like amassing power and stuff like that. I think you'd need to come up. Actually, I think the game Heart is a good touchstone where like the way you get XP in Heart is by you set out certain goals you have for your character. And if you meet those, you get XP. Mm-hmm. And that ends up being a really fun way, one, to incentivize doing thematic things in the game. Like, oh, if I'm playing like a cleaver, I have to like eat something I shouldn't or like go kill a giant monster or something like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes both at the same time. (laughs) And I think something like that for vampire could be super fun. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, that could be something where you could have a certain list depending on like what bloodline you are. You could have a certain list depending on like what your character motivations are. I forget what those mechanics are called in Vampire. 
that could be super fun, but that also sounds like a lot of work to implement. Yeah, I, I would say, say yeah. if you wanted, if you wanted to just do like a milestone for vampire, I'd say like ask your characters what goals they want to achieve, and then give out like a bucket of XP when they meet certain goals. Or like, I think certain games, it's the like, oh, did you make progress on your goal? Okay, get one XP this session. Yeah. Did you complete your goal? Get three XP this session. Yeah. Something I actually, like that. I don't have a problem with how. XP works in Vampire. I've played a lot of it and I've never had a problem where it feels like in D&D where you feel like you're just murdering a bunch of like monsters just to get XP. It's got a, it, mm-hmm. it's done a better you're in job. the dungeons killing rats. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like it, it did a little bit better job and really like thought about that and the way you spend it and get points is very different than like in D&D in some ways. So I, I don't know if it's if it's just because it's a very different type of game and generally you t- you end up like in a specific location for longer. D&D is all about from going from place to place. And if you're playing in like the traditional sense and like playing out dungeons, like you were saying, but like vampire, usually you are in a home base or location. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes maybe you've traveled to another kingdom, but you're not just like wandering the countryside in most cases. It's just not... Have if you, things are going well for yeah, you, going, you certainly are. Exactly. That's just not the vibe vampires going for. But I do think, like, if you can use, like, the milestone. Another thing you can do is if you are going to just do, like, the XP leveling, which, like, some people do prefer that, just don't, like, lock in your baddies and your big things. Like, know that they're going to be there and then just level them appropriately when they actually get there. So you're like, oh, okay, like pull a like cliffhanger at the end of the session before or whatever. It's like you walk in the dungeon, you hear a low growl and okay, let's drink a little bit and we'll see you next week. Like whatever you do, then just like, like level appropriately, like adjust. Like there's a million like D&D, there's guides everywhere about how to tweak monsters in the monster manual to fit a certain party makeup and how to fit like parties of a certain level and things like that. And it's super easy to just tweak the math a little bit or to swap out. Like if it's in an adventure, like there's supposed to be a certain monster there and you're like, oh, wow, that's going to be a, a really easy thing for them or way too hard. Like, whoop, like just whip it out. They probably don't know and they don't care. I'm <laughs> also a little huge multiplier fan. on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm also just a huge fan of reskinning monsters. Yeah. Like a bully wug doesn't have to be a bully wug. Or, like, if you need someone to be, like, a good fighter who can cast magic, you can pull that from a bunch of different things. You could pull, like, one of the NPC paladins. You could pull one of the, like, NPC sword mages, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And kind of, like, I ended up using, like, a drow. Or, no, I used, like, a high-level Eladrin Mm -hmm. from the Monster Manual to be like a drow assassin. And then I just gave them the like drow abilities, like darkness and stuff. Yeah. No one could tell the difference. Yeah. I would be I mean... a little careful with that <laughs> in some places. Specifically, there's a lot of D and D people who have a lot of the monster manual, like memorized. memorized. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And same thing for like, like vampire. It's like, okay, I know that this creature has this weakness and it's like, so make sure if you're doing that reskinning, which I a hundred percent do a lot. Like, make sure you're also just being mindful of, like, okay, if I'm calling it werewolf, making sure that you're also porting over, like, its weaknesses that they would expect normally. 
so that you're not yes. um, hamstringing yes. them with their like knowledge of what these things would be. Yeah, I recommend that for things that either don't have a monster manual entry already. So if you're kind of like homebrewing a monster, mm-hmm. just like porting that onto a, a stat block for a already existing monster is great. That's especially what I do for humanoids because I'm not going to build up, like I'm not going to figure out what the math is. I'm just going to take something that they already balanced yeah. and just mm-hmm. put that into my game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that does get more complicated when you're having to take into account things like yeah, very specialized weaknesses or stuff like that. But like, if you need something big and scary, like, does it matter if it's actually a giant or if it's actually the stat block for a ogre? Like, they Mm -hmm. don't have special weaknesses or strengths. Like, you wouldn't want to put in a troll because like their regeneration thing and weakness to fire, Mm -hmm. like that's a very troll thing. Mm -hmm. So don't, things with like signature strengths and weaknesses, be careful not to do that with. But like there's a lot of generic stat blocks yeah. in the monster manual and the other supplemental books and good lord the third party material. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you want to just throw stuff that your players have never seen before, get some third party stuff. Like there's a lot of people out there who put a lot of work into making all of that stuff. I know a lot of them are kind of getting out of that game with how Watsy has been, but like mm-hmm. Like, I got some really fun bundles from, like, Humble, and I backed, like, a a cool thing that came with, like, nine new classes and a bunch of monsters and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this, this is neat. So, yeah, those are all kind of options if you need to kind of stat something out on the fly. Mm-hmm. File off the serial numbers. Make sure there isn't something glaringly obvious, like, wait, why does this giant have dragon breath? <laughs> but otherwise... Have fun. Good. And maybe the, the maybe it's a dragon that got stuck in the form of like who knows? Like you can always be creative with it too. But just like like just, be flexible about yeah, it. Yeah. And make sure your players are flexible about it too. Like James was saying, he's like, I always tell my players when we start, like, I'm not sticking exactly to the monster manual. Like if you've given them a heads up, then that's also fine too. So mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that's those are the two when I'm running systems that where that really matters. Again, I, that's another reason I love these kind of games with phases in them because it's like, okay, like I don't have to, as a GM, worry about any of the XP stuff until we get to the phase where, oh, here we go. Like we just kind of tally it up and then you spend it at the specific time, which was really cool when we did One Ring. And I feel like that's the same, again, for Wild Sea has kind of a similar kind of vibe to it with the thing. So that that always makes it easier to kind of Pace stuff out too. I know that's not really helpful for L5R or D&D specifically, but trying to get back to our first conversation. (laughs) Well, but also, it also is dependent on the uh, the GM. One, also to be flexible. Players need to be flexible. But Mm -hmm. I've, what I've been, the one, the AP that I've been listening to a lot because thanks Eli, is Pinnacles Mm -hmm. run by Jason. And that he can be very regimented about, hey, is this, this is downtime now. Mm -hmm. Do you want to address anything in downtime? Which means, do you want to refill of any of your willpower or anything like that? So it can be up to you on how you want to dole out that XP Mm -hmm. to get to that, get that party to that certain level. Because I know in some of those episodes on Pinnacles Mm -hmm. that he's kind of flying by the seat of his pants. Mm -hmm. But he has this big baddie that it was that he's coming up to, and it's like I feel it. Yeah, just on that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the vibe of it's coming. 
It's coming. Mm. Yeah. No spoilers. I'm not caught up. <laughs> oh, okay. No bad. But no, Wild, Wild yeah. Talents is a game where it's like a point by system, like a very detailed, crunchy yeah. point by system to make your characters. So that stuff really matters and exactly mm-hmm. how you do that. And um, willpower boosts your powers. So that's really important that you have enough of that to like, and you replenish that as you can because it's not really easy to do. And he has made a point like either one or two times a session to mm-hmm. say, you are actually having some downtime now. Mm-hmm. Do what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. James brought up a very good point where he said, kind of, kind of? by the seat of his pants. <laughs> kind of. First of all, Jason is a certified pants pilot. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I wanted to give him that flexibility. The benefit of the I think day. he was the first pos- first person to cross the Atlantic flying just by the seat of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But again, like it's interesting to watch that happen with such a regimented system as Wild Talents, because it really is a very like strung, structured, crunchy kind of system. And while the combat is very engaging and very like unexpected, and like you can't go through a Wild Talents combat without some pants flying happening, like seated <laughs> pants flying, because it's just it's chance. Everything is chance. You don't know what's going to happen in a way that just is very different than most games that have regular initiative. There's also a lot of like exact, like it's very easy to have the baddies overpower or be underpowered and go too fast and things like that. So it's, you have to do a lot of preparation to be able to run it on the fly like that. As someone who ran it at conventions for years, like I did the exact same thing we were just talking about where it's like, I just had a stack of a whole bunch of different baddies and it was like, Whatever I needed, this was going to be that. Like, this was like this hard, this one's that hard, this one's this hard, this one's like big baddie level. And then, like, okay, like these generic military humans become police officers or the army or whoever. Just so, yeah, I did so much rescanning with that because it mattered on those ones. It wasn't something you could just, same thing with DD, like the, the math is there for a reason mm-hmm. to make things balanced. and. It can be challenging to kind of fly by the seat of your your pants, your pantaloons. <laughs> your pantaloons. <laughs> I did want to roll something back. And as Stefan mentioned earlier in the email, he was talking about how in his current campaign, now I don't know if that's, it, it sounds like this is a campaign that he's running. Mm-hmm. What he thought would happen over three sessions has bled into nine full sessions Mm -hmm. of plotting, getting to know everyone and traveling around and not really deciding on dilemmas presented. That's when you have someone break down the door with a gun. (laughs) Like, I forget which author it was, but when he didn't know what to write next, someone broke down the door with a gun. Mm -hmm. And if you have players that are refusing to take action or make choices, you don't punish them. You gift them the surprise of something exploding. Yeah. You got to do something to shake up the status quo. Someone kidnaps the mayor. Someone breaks down the door with a gun. Someone's poisoned the watering hole. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. it may be. I, apparently, all of my games are set in the Old West. <laughs> I think this is a... But, yeah, this is a symptom of both Vampire and L5R. And I think probably any game that has a setting that has incredibly regimented societal norms, like vampires, like in vampire during the day, like, or not during the day, but like in their normal lives, like 
don't have a ton, but the minute you start interacting with other vampires, their rank, their age, how close they are to how diluted their blood is and things like that, if their power in post, like their proximity to the prince, all those things change drastically how you interact with them and like it can mean life or death very quickly. Same thing with L5R. It is a very regimented society and like how you interact with one another is very specific and the slightest little thing can like really mean a problems for you and your party based on mm-hmm. who you're interacting with. And sometimes that leads, and uh, raising my hand, super guilty of this. Anyone who's listened to our APs of this knows. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, we talked so much and planned so much. So much. Like, I think if I remember so correctly, you planning, got so much shot talking. with an RPG twice before deciding to do anything. Oh my gosh. It was, <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, there was especially, oh man, the vampire one where I was the prince for a while, that was a nightmare. I was so, oh man, it's just so much talking. So much, all of us talking together on the best course of action for our little, little like princedom. And then off to like the bigger prince above us who could just like snuff us out with his thumb and just like all the overthinking of everything. I can't think of a worse (laughs) fate for me than being forced to play the prince in a vampire game. It's, that sounds awful. No so one bad. wants to be the prince. Oh. The prince gets murked. Yeah. Well, and it was like, it was like my Ventrue's like total like goal. And I was just like, oh no, I'm venturing too well. No, no. Crap. Ugh, I am prince. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, of course my Ventrue's going to want that. But no. But anyway, yeah. So I, I feel like that's, a very specific problem with both of those settings and yeah having having something happen like that then uh totally like like give them a timer like not an actual timer that's annoying i've actually done that before yeah <laughs> i set a five minute timer i had joey jason and, and adam and then the rest of my masks campaign group like in the sewers like trying to break into like an art gallery Mm-hmm. And they couldn't figure out how they were all, like, they spent so long trying to decide how to get through, like, just a metal door with, like, a, a camera in front of it. Yeah. And, like, one of them was essentially, like, Captain America on roids. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> and, and two of them had literal magic. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and one of them was a hacker. But they couldn't figure out how to get through a door and a camera. So I set an actual timer and it took too long. And so a thief busted out the door, setting off the alarm and took off down the sewer. Yeah. Forcing them to actually do something. Yeah, exactly. Like that's just what you have to do. And I feel like it's, I feel like Stu should have done more of that, especially with two gangrels who just loved yelling at each other so much. (laughs) He shot y'all with RPGs twice. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But like they were all there, it was a lot of a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. We, we were still young in our AP careers too. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that a recorded yep. AP? I, yeah, both mm-hmm. of them are. <laughs> Which one? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so, out there. I believe. The, is yeah. that one in the podcast feed, or is that on the website now? They're both in the actual play feeds. I think still. Um, okay, perfect. Yeah. So yeah. If you can't find it there, I, I remember at one point the AP feed started to cut off some of the old episodes. Oh, okay. I'll double, on the website. Sh- I'll double check that. I thought, 
I, I think that, that's but... been addressed, but I okay. it's been a while since I went to listen to Motive Sin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Motive Sin. And then there's a whole series of them that were the L5R games. And mm-hmm. I only remember the latest L5R, the, the Kintsugi Chronicles. I can't say. Yeah, that, that one. Um, yeah. Um, Motive Sin? Okay. Motive Sin, yeah. Now they're they're early. Like they're like the L5 R one was like our first actual like campaign RP. So mm-hmm. it was like before we knew better. So there's like moments where we like are eating. Like it's old. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. I, I mean it's like 13 years old, friends. Like it is old school. And you can listen to yeah. like young 20s Kimmy. That's fascinating. This is back <laughs> before here people it. filmed their AP. Yeah, streaming yeah. wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing. I, Twitch may have been a thing back then, but it was not what people so. were using to for their APs at all. No, yeah, I don't think Twitch was a thing yet because... I want to say it was because I remember... 2010? So. Yeah. Not for you guys yet. Oh, no. But it, it was a thing in the greater world outside yeah. of actual plays. Because uh, I watched... I was a League of Legends player uh-huh. back then. I don't <laughs> like to talk about it. I am not proud of it. I have recovered. Yeah, uh, um, Twitch started in 2011. But I watched a lot of that. So Twitch started in 2011. Because yeah. I remember we signed up because we thought about maybe trying to stream. And there was another service that I can't remember what it was called that we signed up for. And then we just never did it. Because we were like, who wants to watch APs? It's weird enough people want to listen to them. And then when we tried to actually use Twitch years later, Twitch had bought whatever this other service was. And we couldn't get Happy Jack's RPG so that's why we started off as Happy Jack's RPG Live because the the name Happy Jack's RPG was already taken because they'd bought that, but we couldn't get it back. It was mm-hmm. just like the biggest like kerfuffle ever until I finally just bothered them enough. And I got lucky. Like I just happened to email the right person. I think that they were quitting or something. So they just fixed our thing. So <laughs> we just got lucky with that. <laughs> anyway, that was a fun story that nobody cared about. Well, I'm going to be lo- looking for the bonus in yes. for tomorrow. So there oh, man. it's it's long. It's one of our longest APs. We played for like three or four years. Oh, it's, dang. Yeah, dang. that was Samantha's first actual play, too. Oh, so it's going to be extra weird. Excellent. Yeah, super okay. weird. Like, Gosh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Living, bar, um, I, <laughs> I just finished Vault 818 and I absolutely adore Sam. Yeah. Oh, I just I just love her so much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I remember calling her up for like the first thing, like to have her be on there. Because she and I had been friends through cosplay. And I was like, so like, I know this is weird, but like, I feel like you said one time while we we're hanging out at a convention that you'd played like tabletop games. And she's like, yeah, I played D&D like once. It's like, okay, do you want to try this thing? And she's like, okay, cool. So yeah, it's worked out well, obviously. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. Bringing all the weirdness. The- Charming, well-dressed, well-tailored weirdness to every game. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Next email. Mailbag number two. All right. Greetings, Kimmy. Assortment of backup dancers and mods with their cyber black suits, shades, and security earpieces. It is I, Steffi from Scotland. In season 32, episode 10, there was an email about turning shyness and introvertness into benefits for themselves and the table. With the round table of loud hosts, the podcast <laughs> fell to awkward silence for half of a millisecond before natural instincts took over. Thoughts were spoken aloud. Advice was given. The podcast was saved. It was a super oh. awkward moment. Like, I, like all of us <laughs> are like, quiet players. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> However, I would like to represent my people, the quiet ones. So like all groups, being quiet is not a monolith. There are just my experiences and insights. But before that, someone on the podcast said that quiet players are fine. Quiet players who are playing a phone game are just jerks. For neurotypical people, yes. For those who need brains, the mental fidget spinner, you do what you need to do. It was brought up in the podcast that quiet players often catch things that louder players overlook or weren't paying attention to because they were thinking about what to say. I felt so seen. <laughs> Once, I made a conspiracy board of all the plots as I understood them. I presented this to the players and GM in-game in character. This is something my insecure daddy's girl did to try to prove <laughs> her worth. This is something... I did as I felt we weren't moving the plot forward, but just gathering more plot lines that we just didn't follow up on. It sparked a cool scene where there was some light teasing and meme referencing the group added to the conspiracy board and decided how we want to go forward. This was a little extreme, but it doesn't have to be work between sessions, but I did it because I enjoyed it. Awesome. In game, I'm not thinking of myself as being quiet, but making room for other players. When I do speak, I feel that I am taking up too much spotlight, making everything about me and being selfish. Oh, wow. Right there. Okay. <laughs> a way I found to deal with this is playing the support character. This isn't always the cleric. In the dragon game, my favorite character was a barbarian druid. During combat, I would turn into a bear and grapple the enemy. The bear hug became my signature move. Oh. It made my character look cool, but it also gave the rogue sneak attack every turn. This can be done outside tactical warfare. In a Star Trek game, I played a counselor so I could talk, play my quirky, wholesome disaster lesbian, but the scenes were spotlighting the other character. In Masks, my character rolled out the powerful telepathic player on being mean. While the PC was willing to mess with my character's mind to make her think he was nice, the player was respectful and asked if it was okay. I didn't just okay it, but it made it a part of one of my mechanics, so when I played into that mechanic, I was also spotlighting that player's choice and character moment. This can involve learning about the other PCs and their mechanics, which as a quiet player, I'm always interested in. These support moments give me my permission to embrace the spotlight more than I'm normally comfortable with. Nice. All right. Just uh, tag in. I'll go in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I might just finish it because it's not that much longer. Is that okay, Rose? I'm not going to fight you on it. Okay. <laughs> if you want a moment, talk to your GM. In another Star Trek game, I ended the session where my first officer character was unable to rescue a ransom NPC. This NPC meant nothing to me or the character. If anything, he was a jerk. However, I put the big girl pants and or I put on the big girl pants and asked the GM if I could do something terrifying. Opening the next session with a short scene. I had my character talking to an NPC counselor about not being able to rescue the jerk NPC. And have the counselor point out that she's not talking about the NBC, but her brother. It felt good once it was done, but it was terrifying at the time. I couldn't vocalize it through the characters, so I narrated what this would look like on the show. Body language and camera work doing a lot of the legwork while I summed up the conversation. It felt very effective and was one of my favorite moments. On the podcast, the debate came up about whether quiet players can be leaders. In two Star Trek games, I had ended up with positions of leadership. In the captain of the game with my first officer dropped, and I was asked if I wanted the promotion. I said, I'll do it unless someone else wants to play captain. And no one <laughs> stepped up. Exactly. See, no one steps up. It's just, okay. 
Another game, my young pilot ended up leading a group of lower deck officers more than once. I came across two major problems, but the other part of leadership I was good with. The first was the Picard speech. The young pilot had this. It came naturally to me. This young idealistic officer could talk about the ideals of the Federation and morality, and I could embody it. Sir Patrick Stewart would applaud. I hit a wall with the first officer turned captain. I designed her with the concept of a CEO's personal assistant. She would be quiet, but proactively working on following the captain's orders, making sure the ship looked good and was intending to the welfare of the crew. She just had no social skills. I had no problems interacting with the crew, playing her as being proactive in her work and how she spends her quiet moments, but there's a chirp, chirp, chirp in her ready room door, but the speeches just didn't come. So maybe for immersive players like me, the quiet character isn't always an aid. Although the young pilot wasn't an extrovert, she was curious and asked questions of people. Going back to my support role, showing my character by spotlighting other characters. I did know her better than any than my first officer turned captain when I was expected to make the speeches. This may also have played a factor. The second was I was concerned about that orders would cut into player agency. Yes, this is the hardest part. Sorry, I'm switching between me and Steffi at the moment. I wanted to check in out of character if the orders were okay. Stuff like, do you want a scene with NPC1 and NPC2? The other players asked me to stop that. We compromised if I gave them an order that didn't seem fun as the, to them as a player, that they would just bring it up and we could adjust. Yeah, that pausing for just a second, that's the hardest thing. Like same thing with what we were just talking about being the prince and vampire or, you know, a high ranking nobleman in L5R or like in Traveler, having one person be super rich if they just happen to roll that way. Anything where there's like a power structure, it makes it really difficult. And it's just so hard because like, I think nowadays I'd play that prince from, I don't know, we played, started that game in 2015 is when we started the Mode of Sin <laughs> game. Thank you, James. Like, I play it so differently. Like, it's literally, like, almost a decade later. But at the time, I really wanted it to be fair. Like, I was, like, the nice, like, kindergarten teacher. Okay, I'm giving an order, but I want to make sure everybody's okay with it. And let, let's talk about it ahead of time. Like, I would have done much better as a Federation Starship captain. Like, but, the, like, as a prince, it didn't make any sense. But it's so hard because you're, like, you don't want to take away the agency of the other people at the table who are your friends. And it's just, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I think when you're going to have a dynamic like that, you need to kind of have a free game talk about that. Like, mm -hmm. especially a game like Star Trek Adventures, where that's a built-in concept. Mm -hmm. I think you need a, I'll give the order in character, but if you out of character have a problem with it, tell me and I can adjust. Yeah. Or be like, yeah, my character will do that, but they're going to have feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Or something like that, just kind of flag that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you're not kind of just rolling around in the dark, giving out orders and hoping that the players at the table don't get mad at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that ends up with like one of two situations generally. It's like you get the player who wants to give orders and everyone else has a terrible time, or you get the person who doesn't want to have to make everyone else have a terrible time. So they hate giving orders. <laughs> like, yeah. Those are the only 100%. two words. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm so traumatized from my experience as the prince in, in Vampire that I like literally made a mechanic so that nobody has to be a captain in Starscape. It's like, there's a captain and 
there's a mechanic for how it makes decisions and none of you have to do that because it's terrible. Okay, anyway. Oh my gosh, uh, thank you, Kimmy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it works yet, but well, it, yeah, it's just- We'll it's find just out. Helpful. We'll find out. Sorry, anyway, back to the email. My current problem as a quiet player is that I can't drive them like they are stolen. Mm, okay. I don't put this out. I, 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 Steffi, I have played with you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember your mech pilot. I feel like that was driven like it was stolen. It was quite fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't put this to being quiet. I put this to being immersive. There's a lot of role playing going on in my character's head that isn't making it into the game. There are elements that I don't know how to bring this out into the open due to my own introverted shyness and the element of I don't realize how much role-playing I'm keeping from the table because it is so natural to me. I've managed to breadcrumb clues to her inner workings since realizing I'm doing this and am boiling up ideas on how to have this boil over in the next session. Steffi from Scotland. Yes, as I'm writing this to you, you have been nominated in the Ennies. Oh, this is a little old, sorry. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations on the win or robbed as Decima takes the gold in my book. Well, good job. Uh, Thank you. We did we, we did it. We um, got the gold. Yeah, Yay. we got the gold. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yay, JackerCon. Come to the Discord, y'all. It's a blast. Yeah, JackerCon. Holy cow. Wait, if we're talking about JackerCon, that's not until what, June? July? Yeah, that, that was that was during the summer. It was this is an email <laughs> from the summer. <laughs> yeah, also come to the Discord because oh we've got game days. Yay. Yeah, game day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. also, I'm there. You get yeah. to deal with me. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's a great place. I think a lot of us have those things where there's like so much of our character that doesn't make it to the table. Even loud players, I think, have that. Unless you're doing the like, I wrote a five page backstory and I'm going to read it aloud to everyone in this moment, which <laughs> oh you God. should never, ever do, <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, I don't. I think there's always going to be little elements that nobody ever finds out but you. And there's something kind of cool and magical about that. I love sometimes... On the one hand, yes. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, Steffi, write a character journal. Yeah. Share it with the other players. It'll be fantastic. Amazing. Well, that's another way I can use my journals. Okay, thanks. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I want to say... Oh, gosh, I want to say in previous APs... or Oh, wasn't it in the... What the Savage Worlds Rifts campaign where the I know the re, were the recaps or was there a journal pulled from the dragon's perspective or something like that? Yeah. It's been years since I listened to any of that. Yeah, no. Samantha played like a baby dragon in that who was a wanted to be a writer and had a journal. She was like a teenage angsty yes. dragon. Oh. And she like kept a journal and she like legit kept the journal. I don't know if it's still like where we could find it, but at the time she was actually like that's how she started with the recaps. Like that was one of the first APs. I don't remember if she did that one or Motive Sin. I feel like Motive Sin started first, but that one like included. She, she did yeah. the recaps for Motive Sin first. Okay. And then, yeah, if I remember. Yeah, I think and she then, incorporated. And then, yeah, started doing the in-character yeah, journal. For That's her baby, her teenage good. angsty dragon. I, I think she wrote that into the character because she liked writing things down so much. And she's talked about before how like taking notes like keeps her focused on the game so she yeah. really likes doing that so she just had that as part of her character and i think that was the first one she yeah. she had like a really pretty journal like she like really yeah. like doubled down and now she has like a really pretty journal for like every game she's in because it's kind of just her role is like 
the recap. Yeah, um, the lore keeper. Yeah, exactly. But we also have done ones uh, where um, we had like ju- like character journals and stuff. But I think those are probably all long gone too because we did them on Google Docs and stuff. But yeah. Uh, those will still be in there. I have stuff from college on Google Docs. Yeah, it's just a matter so, of like... So long as people... Where? Yeah, you just sort by oldest. Yeah. Uh, as long as quick you shout out from there. Yeah. Quick shout out from the Twitch chat. Story Girl brought up officer logs for Star Trek Adventures. That is perfectly on brand. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah. Putting that in the form of like a captain's log, star date, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, incredible. I, that would, that I have always kind of wanted to play in a Star Trek game, mm-hmm. even though I haven't watched that much Star Trek. And that would just like, <laughs> ah, chef's kiss. Yes. I think mm-hmm. there's something to be said though. I love like these little morsels of characters that like, really influenced how I played a character, but just like nobody else really knew about. And then like, and maybe that's just like a little secret you have about this character that you loved and made. And like, there's also been if moments- If you play an Aarakocra, is it a bird secret? Exactly. Is it a bird, 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 secret? bird secret? I think you have to whisper, bird, bird, bird secret. It's a, it's a bird secret. Yeah. But I also think there's <laughs> something to be said for like years later when you're fucking drunk as fuck with your friends, and you're talking about your games, and then they're like, I never figured out why you did this. And you're like, oh, because of this. And they're like, what? And then you just have like this huge reminiscing session where you like both explain stuff you never knew. And those are just like, those are great. I love those moments. <laughs> good times, good times. You have Indeed. a lot of those on the in the Discord too sometimes. Like oh, when you're all reminiscing about Vault 818, like Jason and I just like mm-hmm. spun out on that. We're like, oh yeah, I remember this. Remember that? And like, I don't know, it's very fun. God, pancakes. 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 I, I love pancakes oh so God. much. I, yeah. I totally forgot about the chicken. the sequel to Vault 818. Oh my God. You need it so bad. So bad. Yeah. Well, and then I was like, over the holidays, I was visiting my dad where my car is because my armor is based on the real first car I had. The oh. baby blue 67 Barracuda. And it was like sitting and I was like, oh, it's my there. Dad, you flat tires. So I feel bad. Okay. But <laughs> oh, okay. that's what happens when it's parked. And but yeah. The flat tire syndrome. I mean, it's, thing. yeah, it's got, it's got it. It happens to a lot of cars that age. It does. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially <laughs> when they're just parked and they need to be wrenched. I haven't wrenched on that car in a long time. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. There's I think there's amazing things that like it might be a good idea to like really plan out what things you really want people to know. And then the rest, if it happens, it does. If it doesn't, then you get drunk with your friends later and tell them. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. I mean, the only, like, as a quiet person in everyday life, not here, but it, <laughs> <laughs> at work or anything, it's the quiet player does have that silent Bob power mm-hmm. when they finally do speak. It speaks volumes. Yeah. But it's just, Getting those words out first, it's kind of hard just to ramp up the energy to be able to speak from a quiet person perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's just when you're surrounded by when the energy starts going, yeah, it'll, it'll finally start rolling down. But mm-hmm. it just takes a while for that and for the first kick in the first gear, then the subsequent gears to get that word out. Those words are hard, unfortunately. So hard. So, yeah. Very hard. Yeah. We can, yeah. Yeah. We- we couldn't even think of milestone today. Like we didn't even have the word <laughs> so, milestone. Yeah. It's Friday. God, guys. 
<laughs> We're just even... in limbo here yeah. between Christmas and New Year's. I know. I mean, it's it's not even a look. Y'all are lucky. I just put on pants. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, we were supposed to put on pants. pants? <laughs> I put on You'll pants today. Nobody can know. <laughs> I mean, milestone is not even a D and D word. It's just a regular word in the world that we all should know anyway. Like, okay, I refuse. When was the last time outside of D and D you said the word milestone? Come on, I am kind of a project manager, so weekly. Oh. Yeah, and I'm a teacher, and I have a toddler. I can't manage myself, let alone a project. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, no, she's reaching all her milestones. At, like, yeah, so I use it quite a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's why we blocked it out of our memory. Yeah, like, to me, it's like, okay, is my toddler making these sounds right now? Okay, is she able to say the words like correctly? Yeah, so I think that might be it. Like, I use it so much more in regular life. Just have a psychic life. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like, a real life word, not a gaming word for me. Yeah, so. it's like boundary right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for season 33, <laughs> episode five of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Please support our amazing indie designer of the month, Kurt Potts. You can Yay. find his work at kurtpotts.itch.io. That's a K-U-R-T-P-O-T-T-S dot itch.io or at lighthearted.games. Also, Lighthearted has amazing art by... Hi, <laughs> I'm Minerva. <laughs> Who also did a bunch of the art for Demigods and a bunch of other really great games. Yay. Very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Um, we've been rolling out our Nerding Out episodes, which have been super fun to make. I don't know if anybody actually likes them or listens to them, but we're having so much fun making them. So yeah, if you are D8 or above, I think you get those. They're really fun. And Minerva, you had a thing to say, right? Oh yeah, actually I am... Please come over to my channel, blue underscore troller, twitch.tv slash blue underscore troller for Saturday, 8.30 Central. I am hosting a giveaway during my end of the year drink and draw stream. We're giving out four prizes, two of which are dice sets, a pair of Primus dice. They're super sharp, dangerous type dice. I have a <laughs> set and they're delightful, but please tune in at 8.30 and we'll be giving away those, those prizes. AM or PM? PM. PM. Central Standard Time. Tomorrow, December 30th? December 2023. Okay. December 30th, 2023, 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on twitch.tv slash blue underscore troller. Okay. If if you're listening to the podcast version of this, I probably will not. It will not be edited by tomorrow. I'm sorry. Go back and watch the VOD. You won't win anything, but you'll have a good time. (laughs) I love your your drawing streams. They are just so much fun. Thank Uh, you. Uh, So I have been Kimmy. I have been Minerva. And I've been Rose. All right. And thank you for an amazing 2023. Uh, Here's to 2024. And we're going to leave you with a song called Pastime with Good Company by a band called The Merry Wives of Windsor. You can find them at mwow.net. Yeah. Thank you all. And we'll see you next time in 2024. Next year. We'll see you next year. Bye. 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 Oh my.
RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.